demonstrate that you know, you're bringing value to the business every day and bringing it in the broader context of growth. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to Tuesday Takeover Series. If you've been listening to Tuesday Takeover Series, it's been phenomenal. I'm learning a lot. And last week, we had Katie Bullard, who is the president of Discover Org, share her story of transition, going from CMO to president. And, and the conversation was so fascinating. She has gone ahead and done herself three interviews of three incredible people who have gone through similar transitions and, and, and the whole their story, their feedback. So first of all, Katie, thank you so much for sharing your story last week. If anybody hasn't listened, go back and listen to it. And and again, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sangram. I had so much fun. I think that was one of the best conversations we've had in in a while. And and I really hope that the audience gets a, a a few nuggets out of it. Oh, I'm sure they do. So everybody, if you haven't listened, pause, go back, listen to last Tuesday, because it will set the stage for the series that Katie is doing. So Katie, what are you calling this series and who are you interviewing today? Yeah, so we've got a series of three CMOs who've made the transition to CEO. So we're calling the series CMO to CEO, successfully making the ultimate transition. And I'm so excited. One of the folks who I'm interviewing was actually a former boss of mine. So that was a, that was a really kind of personal and fun interview to do. But the first one we're going to interview is Bob Conlon, who is the CEO of Navex Global, the leading compliance solution in the industry right now. And I actually met Bob when I was a director of marketing and he was a CMO and I had never been in marketing before. He was one of the the first people who I went to for best practices. Um, He's got some really great advice on how to build a strong relationship with the board, especially if you're a VC or private equity backed, even as a CMO that's going to help you in that transition to CEO. So super excited about that one. Um, The next interview was with Elisa Steele, like total powerhouse. Uh, Elisa's the CEO of Namely. She'd been the CMO at Splunk. Uh, She'd been at Yahoo. Just an incredible background in both B2C and B2B. And she had just some very profound advice on what it really means to be a leader and how to... um, how to nurture and create a company and a culture um, that I just, I, I loved. It was a great conversation. Uh, and then finally, my former boss, Peter Poulin, who's the CEO at Green Revolution Cooling, or GRC for short. So Peter was the EVP of sales and marketing at Denim Brushery Hoover's back when I was at Hoover's. And he basically gave me the, the my very first marketing role ever, even if it wasn't really called marketing. And so it was really fun to kind of come back and have this conversation with him, you know, 10 years later. Peter has built this career of taking companies that are, that, you know, need to be fixed, that are sort of broken. He even says he's kind of a fixer and getting them back on the right track and creating so much value. And so he's got some great advice on how to think about businesses from that perspective. And again, when you're in that marketing role, what you can do to really make an impact. 
So I'm really excited. Uh, I think the audience will really get a lot out of each of those interviews. I love that, Katie. And these three sound so different in itself. Like even though they are CMO to CEO as they transition, one talking about board, one talking about leadership, and one talking about fixing what might be broken. Oh, I can't wait to listen. So again, for everybody, if you have, if you happen to listen to this, maybe the second or the third one, go back and listen to the other two. You would see the chain, the chain of thoughts across the board and you're going to love it. So again, Katie, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks. Hey everyone. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. My name is Katie Bullard. I'm the president of Discover Org and I am guest hosting our series on CMO to CEO, how marketing leaders can make the ultimate transition. It's not easy. Not many people do it. So we're diving into what those secrets are. We have a very exciting guest today. Uh, I'm super honored to introduce Bob Conlon, who's the CEO of Navex Global, which is the leading risk and compliance management platform uh, for 13,000, I think, maybe more, organizations worldwide. What's kind of cool is I actually first met Bob many moons ago at a conference. He was running marketing for an HR tech company called Acero. I happened to be my very first marketing gig ever. So fast forward today, we both are actually based out of the Portland, Oregon area. We're both in very different roles. So Bob, welcome. Thrilled to have you on. Great, Katie. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. So, Bob, you've obviously held a lot of different roles, and you've been in the CEO role at Navex now for how many years? For um, about five years. Awesome. Yeah. And you've been through, uh, there's been quite a bit of growth at Navex over those five years, right? That's right. We've grown both organically and through acquisition, so pretty aggressive on both fronts. So when you first started out in sales and marketing roles, did you know that you wanted to become a CEO? No, you know, I really didn't. I knew I wanted to be a top uh, sales and marketing executive. So I, I definitely had my eyes on that. But I will say as I, you know, continued in my career and, you know, I had the opportunity of working, you know, for one fairly large company that went public. And so I saw what that was like. And then following that, I worked for a few companies that were venture backed where I was uh, the VP of marketing or chief marketing officer or VP of sales and marketing and you know, there were some good CEOs and there were some not so good CEOs. But the one thing I did recognize was, you know, I think I've got what it takes to do this. So you know, I started working on developing my career a little bit more in alignment with that. And uh, you know, here I am today. So you know, on the one hand, I would say, be careful what you wish for <laughs> because it's a big job. But uh, you know, I think if you have a plan, uh, you can execute that plan with some discipline. So I'm interested because you said at some point you realized that you had what you needed to be successful in that role. What were the attributes or the qualities that you saw in successful CEOs that you thought, I have that, that I can bring to this? Yeah. You know, probably one of the most important things, um, and this is tough for some people because there's a lot of really, really smart people, but they lack this. Um, and that is um, enthusiasm and optimism that can be contagious. And, you know, one of the things that um, that, that I just think I have. And you know, I, I know this from taking like Myers-Briggs and Insight Profiles, as well as when we do employee engagement uh, surveys, the things I hear back from employees are, uh, is that people, you know, people can see that enthusiasm. They can see that it's genuine. They can see the optimism. They can see the care. And, and you know, that's something people can rally behind. Uh, you know, people want to believe in their leader and they want to believe that their leader, you know, is walking the walk and talking the talk. And 
you know, is transparent and sharing the vision and all of those things. And so, you know, I, I work for a fairly dour CEO that's probably one of the smartest people I ever met, but he, he couldn't get out of his own way because he just didn't treat. And, you know, he was, like he over-focused on the critical issues and didn't celebrate with successes. That particular quality? Uh, and so just I given think the that's one of the, the attributes. Really it's a great important. question. And I really do. You know, when you go into marketing, um, you're basically in a promotions business, right? And so, you know, you're promoting your company, you're promoting your goods and services, and, you know, you've got to put your best foot forward. So you learn how to put a good face on things. And, and typically that's in, you know, that's, that's uh, manifested through marketing programs and various things like that. But, you know, the best marketers that I know also have that, that attribute. They can stand up in front of the company and rally them behind a vision. You know, this is why we're going on this new campaign or this new program or this new market or this new geography and really get people to rally behind them. So I think there's a, there's a little bit of an advantage uh, for people in sales or marketing who have that persuasive capability and, you know, uh, again, come with enthusiasm and, and optimism and um, some sense of uh, genuineness there. So obviously enthusiasm and optimism are important, but they're not the only things that make a successful CEO. So I'm curious, what were a couple of other things that you learned as a marketer that you took into that transition? Yeah, well, I would say, Katie, you know, the most important thing is you really have to be a student of the business. And so you have to understand um, all aspects of the business. Um, when, when I was in my marketing role, and, and I actually started in sales. So I was in sales and I took over marketing. And so I was a VP of sales and marketing and then I became a CMO. But a lot of marketing people that I know live in a very, very narrow set of parameters where, you know, it's all about demand gen, all about events, all about, you know, pay-per-click and that type of thing. And, and that becomes the means to the end. And they don't recognize that what they're doing, they're just the tip of a, of a very, very long spear that results in hopefully a closed booking and a satisfied long-term customer. And so it's real, I think it's really important for marketers to broaden their perspective, their, their worldview of what's happening within the organization and take a look at everything from you know, creating demand to how that demand flows through to the sales organization, through the various stages of the sales methodology, you know, through to services, you know, what, what are all the touch points uh, that the customer goes through? What's their experience? The more you understand that, uh, the, the, better under, you know, the better feel you have for how the business really works. And at the end of the day, a lot of marketers don't have great operational experience. They, you know, they're, they're good at the marketing stuff, but they're not good at the operational stuff. And so that's a way to really you know, ingrain yourself in the business and, under, and become partners with those groups. You need to become partners with legal, partners with finance, partners with services and support. That's great. So if I'm a, let's say I'm a VP of demand gen right now at a company and I have the goal of becoming a CMO and then ultimately a CEO, what's like the, one of the first things that I should do to, to go get that operational experience? Sure. Well, I think the first thing, and you know, it's funny, I just had an, I, I do uh, lunches with random employees, six random uh, employees every two weeks. And the way I almost always end that meeting is by saying, you know, one of the most important things you guys can do is make sure that you're sharing your career objectives with your manager. Mm -hmm. So if you're in, in demand gen, you know, you need to be working with your manager and helping them understand that you have a career objective and you understand there's a realistic time frame to get there. I actually joked with these people uh, that, was a, that were in my lunch today and I said, you know, I hope none of you want to be the CEO in the next three years because I, I still plan to be here. So, you know, have a realistic view as to where you want to go and how long it will take to get there. But to answer your question directly, if, I, if I'm running demand gen, then I recognize that I'm, I'm you know, an important cog within the greater market. So the first thing I'm going to do is go to my manager and say, listen, 
I need to learn about the other aspects of marketing. I need to get into, I want to you know, participate in some product marketing. I want to understand how events work and how the budgeting around all of that works. I want to understand more about our website and, and you know, what's happening there. I want to understand more about international operations. What are we doing in, in the UK and the EU and Southeast Asia and you know, Asia Pac, Middle East, that kind of thing. So look to broaden those perspectives. And then as you, as you start to get that, and it takes a while, right? You're, you're not going to learn all that stuff in two weeks. And as you continue to expand those operations, personally, I, I, I constantly ask for more responsibility as I was growing through my career. And of course, you know, you have to put in the work and the effort to, to be rewarded with that. But I think that's an important step. I agree. That's one of the things I know I always talk about is just like asking for responsibility, even if you have no experience in that, like not being afraid to take that on. I think a lot of times people are like, well, I've never done this or I've never done that. But even at the executive level, like that's, that's the only way that you learn. That's right. I had just, just for an example, I had a role. Um, so I was senior vice president of sales and marketing at a venture back company. We were acquired and they wanted me to uh, be director of sales and marketing, reporting up to another uh, CRO at the time at this, at this company. And I was, I was happy to do that, but I saw that they had an opportunity for somebody to run what they call product planning and management. So mm-hmm. I actually took a step back to director level to take mm-hmm. on product planning. Um, so I could learn, I, I just wanted to broaden my horizons that I recognized if I ever wanted to become, you know, more of an operator company wide, I'd have to understand how those things work. So, you know, sometimes you have to take a half a step back to take two or three steps forward. But if it's in line with your career plan, then, then you got to do it. That, that's a great piece of advice. So you were getting ready to make the transition, the jump to a CEO role. What do you think was it in those, let's say, last the, the last year or so of your your career prior to moving to into the CEO role that really gave your the board and the company and you know the, the confidence that you could take that step? Yeah, well, I would say the first thing is I had the benefit of working for a private equity company, uh, same one that you worked for, Vista Equity Partners. It was great. So when I was at Acero, I was the CMO there, and then promoted to a COO. And I specifically talked to my CEO, who I had a very good relationship with, and said, listen, I want to drive more of the board meetings. So I, I you know, and he said, that's great, because actually he wasn't that good at it, um, which was interesting. He was in a, a CEO who had moved from another position. I mean, he, he was, don't get me wrong, he was great. But I think just the, you know, the tactical preparation for the board meeting and getting all the other people ready and reviewing all the slides, that, that wasn't a passion of his. Yeah. It wasn't a mine either, but I was willing to do the work. And um, so, so it was getting a little bit more of that. And then I had the very, very lucky opportunity, uh, although I did ask for it, when I came to, to a small company called Ethics Point, which is one of the founding companies of Navex today, I was hired by the board to come in as, uh, I think I came in as COO, and Senior Vice President of Business Strategy. But it was clear that you know, I was on my way to become the CEO. They had an acting CEO. But he was just a terrific mentor to me, and I was very, very clear with him about where, what my goals were and you know, where I needed help. And so, for example, you know, I'm a very, very A-type personality. I'm not a person that needs to be told I'm doing a great job. And so I, you know, I'm not really that great at telling others about that. So he really worked with me for about a year on, on the human side of interacting with people. and not you know, when, you, when you have a C role, people are just naturally nervous around you. You, know, you can be the nicest person in the world, but you're the CEO. So I had to, I really work hard on being approachable and, you know, get, I've got 1100 employees and I, I bet I know 600 of their names. You know, I work really hard at that stuff and, you know, that's important. So I think 
you know, recognizing where you're strong and emphasizing those strengths and recognizing where you're weak and really focusing on eliminating those weaknesses. It's interesting that you say that one of the pieces of advice that I give to any of my team members who come and are, you know, want advice on getting to the next step. I always say that your strengths will get you three quarters of the way through your career. They're going to, they're going to get you most of the promotions that you're going to need through your, the course of your career. The last quarter of the promotions that you want are all about addressing what your weaknesses are. That's that's great advice. You know, that holds you back from those, those C-level roles. Typically, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you are not self-aware of them, you'll never be able to overcome them. You know, the first time I took a Myers-Briggs, I thought, you know, this is, this is really touchy-feely <laughs> stuff. And then, and then I read it and it was almost like looking in a mirror. You were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, okay, yeah, these strengths are really my strengths, but oh my gosh, these weaknesses. And, and I knew they were there. I just mm-hmm. didn't want to address them, right? Because my strengths were enough to carry me, you know, so far. Yeah. But I would say addressing those weaknesses have really helped, you know, have really helped me move along in my career. And uh, I mean, it's something I, to this day, you know, every one of our employees here, we put them through something called the insights and, you know, we learn, uh, you know, how to talk with one another. If you, you know, there's, there's differences depending on your, on your code within the insights color wheel, if you will. And, you know, I just think that's a really important thing. So even though my initial reaction to that kind of thing was, Hey, this is awfully touchy feely for me. Uh, it's so, so important. And at the end of the day, being a CEO is a big time people job. You know, you're rallying people, and if you don't have that capability, you're not going to be successful. Are you? Are you and I both low on the green? <laughs> I'm super low on the yeah, green. So I am too, <laughs> and I think I, I said that because I have probably spent, I have, did probably spend the last two years of my career really focusing on the green because I knew it was a blind spot. For those of you who are listening who don't know, insights green. Go look it up. But essentially, it's it's yeah that ability to to kind of really develop those personal connections with people. Yeah. So I'm fiery red, and for those of you not familiar with insights, uh, the <laughs> kind of the you know kind of the catchphrase for fiery red is uh, be brief, be bright, be gone. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> me. And so I, I have a phenomenal employee who's from the south, and he'll come in here and he's like, "Well, Bob," and it just kills me. But he's awesome, and so you know I just have to learn to you know not get frustrated with that. So yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, the, the, the most, the highest performing teams are those that have the most diverse set of personalities. I think that's exactly right. Who, who figure out how to communicate really well together. Well, great. That is great advice. So you've talked about being uh, enthusiastic and optimistic about taking opportunities that might not be immediately noticeable or, you know, offering to do things that you haven't done before. You talked about addressing your weaknesses and really focusing on those. If you were to just leave somebody in a CMO role or in a, you know, in a marketing leadership role with one piece of advice on what's the most important thing they could do now in order to set them up, set themselves up for a CEO role, what would that be? You know, I, I think the most important thing they could do, Katie, is align themselves with the long-term vision of the company. In other words, really understand what it is the board is looking for or the investors are looking for, right? A lot of, a lot of marketers come into their job every day and you know, they're at the end of the quarter, hey, I hit my, you know, my marketing originated bookings number, my number of leads for this and that. They celebrate that. And that's great. You definitely want to celebrate that. But, but I would say, you know, look at why is that important? Well, that's important because it helped us hit a bookings uh, target. And that bookings target had the right component of ARR to, to one-time revenue. And so that's, you know, that portends well for revenue growth in the future. 
So, uh, you know, understand what, you know, what is the growth objectives? What are the growth vectors for the company? What is the board looking at? What, what does great look like to them? You've got to know those things and you've got to align your business around that and, and drive that vision through your organization, through your sale or through your marketing organization and to the, to the uh, you know, point that you have any influence over the sales, uh, sales organization as well. And just demonstrate that you're not just there to do a marketing job you are a key, key part of the overall business strategy for growth. You know, investors who invest in a business, they're not doing it just because they want to sit in board meetings once a quarter, right? They want to see that growth. They want to see that in a, you know, in a five-year model. What does that look like as it's updated every six months? And you've got to be a key part of that and demonstrate that, you know, you're bringing value to the business every day and bringing it in the broader context of growth. Fantastic advice. Bob, any last words, anything, anything exciting going on at, at Navex that, that the audience might be interested in? Well, we're super excited. You know, Navex, uh, like we're officially a unicorn. You know, we were acquired for $1.4 billion in Congrats. September by, by another uh, private equity firm. So that's great. And we're also really excited, as you mentioned, you know, we're, we're the world's largest provider of, uh, of ethics and compliance and risk management solutions. And so you know, I love welcoming new uh, employees and saying, you know, we could be making widgets and there's nothing wrong with a widget maker, but, you know, our software is helping make the world a better place for millions and millions and millions of employees that work for these 13,500 customers that we have. So we're excited about our growth opportunity. We, you know, we're early in a new hold period with a private equity firm, which means we're investing a lot of money into the business, uh, being very acquisitive and, uh, you know, big things are happening here. So uh, keep your eyes out. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. It's awesome to also see kind of the exploding tech scene up here in Portland as well. So, you know, hey, for those of you who are listening, you're looking for a, a great second location or a great place to build the business. Portland is one of those places that's doing, there's a lot of fun things happening right now. Um, Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Katie. Thank you. Thanks. Sangram here. All right, you already might have heard that I launched my newest book, ABM is B2B. So I want to give you a gift for being a podcast listener for some of you have been listening it for the whole year and a half and, and send me so many messages. So I want to gift you I want to gift you a copy of the book. I'm not asking you to buy I'm literally gifting you the copy of the book. So if you text me at 33777 with the keyword ABM is B2B simple as that text me when you get a chance don't don't drive and text like when you stop it will be in the show notes so just take a look at it the keyword is abm is b2b and text me that keyword at 33777 it will add ask you for a physical address so i can ship you the book and i just want to say thank you i am super excited hopefully i can uh, get this book to as many of you who have been a loyal listeners and evangelist of the flip platform podcast talk to you soon You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.